Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, I wasn't planning on podcasting today, but uh, Carmelo Anthony retired, and I do feel this kind of, we kind of need a, uh, an, a an interesting glan- um, glance at his career in Denver, not from a um, all seven and a half years perspective, well, all nearly eight years um, that he was here, more in the... Um, the two moments that kind of define mellow in polar opposite ways. And I think, I think this is kind of the better way to look at it. I mean, not, not, not invalidating the, the meat of his career, which was, which was this subsequent six years, but the first, the, the year, the, about the roughly the year before mellow was drafted and uh, maybe year and a half. And then the, um, last year Carmelo was here are the two things that define his era in Denver for better and worse. And I think it's for the worse, and I don't necessarily think it's fair to him, and I don't necessarily think it's fair to the Denver Nuggets. Um, history is more complicated, and, and if anything you have listened to this podcast and gotten from is the history is different. History is more complicated than just one thing. We, I, I will never tell fans how to feel about a, a certain way. <clears throat> every every way a fan can is, is going to feel is valid because you are receiving stuff you are receiving uh, the results of something you are not there during the process of it being made and you you are not in that very small circle of people you are seeing it it is entertainment so any 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 feeling that you have is completely valid because you receive it everyone receives this sort of thing a different way that's why i tell people about movies is like once the movie is done uh the director no longer has control of how people see it so um Leading up to Mello being drafted was complicated and a series of of uh dumb luck I would say, uh, kind of, and just one very specific dumb luck incident kind of led the Nuggets to where they got. Um, in the entire history of Stan Kroenke's time owning the Denver Nuggets, he only authorized a rebuild one year. Okay? 
and that was the LeBron draft. But there was a lot more than LeBron in that draft, obviously. The 2003 uh, uh, draft was basically one of the big best drafts we, we had seen since, what, like 84? Uh, 98 was a big one. Uh, 96 was another big one. There, it, was one of, it was one of those drafts, right? And there was an oral history ESPN did on that draft, like, oh, God, it's 10 years ago now, I think, because it's, we're coming up on 20 years since that draft. Um, the Denver Nuggets really, um, by the, the, the end of the Issel era, coincided with the end of the Ascent uh, ownership era. Um, and the, I've gone over many times the ownership complications that led to where they were by the time Stan Kroenke bought the team in July of 2000. Um, he brought the Avs, obviously the Nuggets, the Avs, and Pepsi Center. And one of the things that um, contributed to this whole stew was Issel flaming out spectacularly in 2001-2002 season. Uh, Antonio McDice telling it, tearing his patellar tendon, uh, which essentially cost him two years of his career. And um, all this stuff kind of came together. And Kiki Vandeweghe, by the time Stan Kroenke buys the team, had taken over as GM. Issel was his boss and the person who was under him. It was a weird situation. Issel, Issel was the team president. Um, Kiki was the general manager and Issel was the coach. It was, a, it was a strange situation. Okay. And it was something that was largely set up by ascent. Um, but by the time you get to 2002, Issel was gone. Well, he, he resigned in, in disgrace in January of 2002. And the Nuggets play out the rest of that year with Mike Evans as coach. Um, this is was Kiki's chance to really put a stamp on the team with Issel gone. So um, in the 2002 draft, he may, he drafted the biggest bust in Nuggets history. Um, there was even a player named El Busto, uh, named by Issel, ironically, uh, drafted in 1997, Tony Batie, who actually had a very long NBA career. Okay. Uh, he was drafted at five. Coincidentally, also drafted at five was Nicolas Skilishvili, who was awful, could not be played. And um, he was in the line of where uh, Kiki was at that time, trying to get more of these Dirk-esque European players. Um, and Skilishvili was never that. Um, he flamed out extremely spectacularly. I think he was only on the Nuggets for two years. Um, and, uh, he did win MVP of summer league in 2003. So good for, good for Skeeta. But, um, this was something that preceded that 2002, 2003 season. The Nuggets go through that season and win 17 games. It was, it was right up there with the 97, 98 Nuggets as the worst team in basketball. Imagine being a Nuggets fan from 97 to, or at least trying to be a Nuggets fan from 97 to 2003, would have been damn near impossible. And uh, it, that season, Bazdilic had them playing hard, but it was a bad team. Uh, Vincent Yarborough was the, one of the better players on that team. Uh, Ryan Bowen uh, was still there on the team, and um, it just was a bad team. It was coached by Jeff Bazdilic, and Bazdilic could be sort of a hard ass. And he and Kiki were constantly battling over pushing the pace. One of the things that uh, Kiki wanted and drilled into um, 
uh, Buzz Dillick was you need to play fast, you need to play fast. And there was this constant battle between the two. Uh, Buzz Dillick came from the Miami coaching tree. Uh, and if you know anything about the Riley coaching tree, they are all slow it down, gritty defensive teams. And specifically in the early 2000s, right? So this Nuggets team wins 17 games and they lose a coin flip to the uh, uh, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers for the chance to draft LeBron James. The That was a blow because both uh, Cleveland and Denver won 17 games that year. It was the who could be worse off, basically, uh, uh, season. Um, and the Nuggets were obviously gunning for LeBron. So... During the season, reports start coming out about this guy from Europe called Darko. And he was big, he was strong, and he was one of those guys that was uh, both European and uh, like with a shot and could get rebounds, right? This was the reports that were coming out. And and we need to reemphasize again, as I talked about in the 90s with the Ephthemios Rencius debacle that happened in 1996, the, this was, the scouting in Europe hadn't advanced too terribly beyond that. The Mavericks with Donnie Nelson scouting uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki in 98 was was a revelation to a lot of people. And teams were just starting to improve their scouting. Um, so by the time you get to the 2003 draft, it wasn't, this is, this has been this frustrating revisionist history with Darko. Um, not in, not in that he wasn't a, he was, he, he was okay. He wasn't deserving of the number two draft pick, obviously he was okay. And he was never going to live up to expectations. Right. But the problem is it wasn't just Detroit who had uh, the number two trip pick in the draft via a trade. Um, it wasn't just Detroit. It was also the Denver Nuggets. And everything leading up to that was giving people indications that if Darko went to three, the Nuggets were taking him after the Nuggets had some, once again, bad luck in the draft lottery. So the Nuggets, the Nuggets end up in this situation where the potential of them drafting two historic busts in this in back-to-back drafts was a legitimate possibility okay and another untold part of this is that the coach Jeff Buzdelic did not like Carmelo Anthony did not think he would be a good player and desperately wanted the Nuggets to draft Dwayne Wade this was a battle between Kiki and uh, Jeff Bazilic. So you had all this going on at once, okay? With the benefit of history, would the Nuggets have been better off with uh, Dwayne Wade? Who knows, okay? Then the Dwayne Wade won a title three years into his career. Um, now Shaq came to play with him, so you can't really go for one, one, one-to-one correlation here. I'm inclined to believe that the Nuggets benefited from Joe Dumar's uh, franchise-changing mistake. Okay, um, this was a blunder. 
that you you can't say anything but that band. The, the 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 Pistons won the title that year. The Pistons won the title in two thousand four. Darko barely got off the bench. Okay, so in one hand they weren't like in the position the Nuggets were, where they were a a team that had been awful essentially for uh, eight years. Um, going into that draft, so that didn't cripple them the way that it would have the Denver Nuggets. Carmelo Anthony ends up being drafted, and he had a ton of hype that came with him specifically from winning the title in that year. I can't stress to you guys enough how much the NCAA, winning the NCAA tournament creates a vortex of hype around people. Okay, people are better now at scouting and they understand players have limitations, even if they're going through a one and done, not one and done, but if they're going through a tournament where it's a single single game elimination. So things get exaggerated. So people tend to go through your entire college career as it is now. It's only one year with the one and done rule. But the people are better now. It's seeing through the this guy got high, hot, you know, excuse me, this person got hot during a, a stretch in March, okay? And um, Carmelo, however, was the best player on a championship team. It was very clear. Uh, he and Jerry McNamara were the driving forces behind that uh, Syracuse team that won. Um, and probably, I wouldn't have no doubt if Carmelo is probably the best basketball player to come out of Syracuse under Jim Mayheim. You could you could make that argument. Um, so Carmelo uh, has this hype with him, and his hype is really something that I would like to focus on here. Carmelo Anthony, without that hype, is still the number three pick in the draft, and the Nuggets are a better team. Okay, the hype brought attention to Denver that they had not seen since David Thompson. 100%. Even when the in the 80s where the Nuggets are are one of the you know funnest teams in basketball, I get that kind of attention. Maybe when the Nuggets beat the uh Sonics in 94, but even then it was a blip. It was kind of like winning the NCAA tournament, you know. It it it, it didn't sustain focus on Denver like Carmelo coming in from having this intense hype from uh, winning the title in 2003 with Syracuse. That really is something that goes unsaid in this scenario, okay? You know, along with the good fortune of Kiki Vandeweghe being saved from himself, and with the benefit of hindsight, you can see that Kiki wasn't the best GM in the, on the planet, but he um, getting mellow and the subsequent hype from him winning the title benefited the Nuggets in ways that it, that I think people don't really understand. The Nuggets became a more attention-grabbing team because Melo was here. We all would like to say that that doesn't matter, but it mattered a ton, specifically in 2003. Without Melo here, even with Dwayne Wade, if Dwayne Wade came here, that attention would not be on the Nuggets. It was because Melo won that title, and the Nuggets be- became the new hotness, along with them changing their video, their their jerseys to uh, UCLA colors. The Nuggets 
going that direction and doing that with Carmelo Anthony and him basically being the rookie of the year in 2003-2004 basically and and getting robbed by by LeBron who did not have a great rookie season um really kind of sucked but that was what got them came with Carmelo Anthony and you will see this in kind of a stark detail as the buildup to Carmelo being unhappy and leaving in 2010-2011 was uh, a dichotomy between Carmelo the actual player and Carmelo the hype machine and the way he was looked at nationally differed completely from the way that people saw him locally and it it really kind of shows something about media hype and all of that stuff and there and I and I've gone into other podcasts about how the lead up to Melo being traded I don't need to do this again um there was a lot that went into it uh Carmelo Carmelo had issues with George Carl Carmelo had um issues with the various um, management people that came and came and went he hated Brett Barrup um there was there was issues going on there Carmelo didn't have near the control over the team that LeBron had over Cleveland a lot of the things that came into fruition were kind of percolating by the time you get to 2010 so on the other side of the podcast I'm going to talk about the last year Melo was in Denver and how that affects his legacy more than anything else about his time here we'll be back right after this Carmelo Anthony, if you look at his interviews, and he doesn't do a ton of talking about his time in Denver. He does have a bit of perplexed, um, he, he doesn't understand why he's not better regarded, I guess, here. He doesn't understand why fans boo him. Uh, he has always had trouble uh, analyzing and doing any sort of introspection of why that is. But there is a stew and, 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 and a collision of circumstances that get led us to where we got in February of 2011. Um, I've, ta- I've written about it. I've talked about it. Um, I can, if people want on Twitter, I can link to the articles I've written about it. There's a lot going on there. Um, I'm not going to go into all of it. But you can tell that Carmelo can't get over his last year in Denver. Um, and the and I don't think the Nuggets can get over Melo's last year in Denver. The hard feelings and the incidents that happened have been so ingrained in both Carmelo and the Denver Nuggets that it's hard for both to get over. There's some things that happened in that final season that that while on the surface might seem trifling and petty, have clearly stayed with both the Denver Nuggets and Carmelo. Um, I will first of all say that Chris Paul's toast in the offseason at uh, Carmelo Anthony's wedding, basically talking about he and Amari Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony forming a team in uh, in, in uh, New York, while Josh Kroenke and Stan Kroenke are at his wedding, um, I think that was a fundamentally perception-altering moment 
from the perspective of the people who own the Nuggets. You, I don't think they, you know, this is me, me guessing a little bit, but based on that, I think, I think, I think there has been some lingering issues from that. Um, and I think that has gone a long way. I mean, even George Carl, who had a terrible exit from Denver, Cena Games, Nuggets have acknowledged him. Um, it's and that was that was a a scenario that that blew up really badly in 2013. The Nuggets um, that started this well that wasn't the beginning the beginning was when Workentine and Chapman were here and Mello refused to sign his extension and it proceeded from there we got to look at Carmelo Anthony and his time in Denver as as more than just a player Carmelo Anthony as I explained in the previous segment brought the hype with him in a way that doesn't come with every player that comes into a, a situation. Um, Carmelo's notoriety helped the Nuggets out tremendously. It helped them out financially. It helped them out uh, just in a attention sense. Um, without Carmelo Anthony ever being the game-changing player that everyone thought he would be, uh, he'd certainly changed the fortunes of the franchise. The franchise was in the dumps in 2003. Um, once again, they had won 17 games and had gone through no playoffs for eight years. And at one point, the Nuggets in that stretch won 11 games and then followed that up by winning 14 games. It was not good, folks. It was bleak. It was real bleak here in Denver. Mello, as much as he he as a player lifted the Nuggets out, and, and frankly, he they won forty two games in or forty three games in uh, two thousand four after winning seventeen games the year before. It was stark. Obviously, getting Andre Miller and uh, uh, Nene the year before, and uh, the next year getting um, uh, Kmart and all this stuff. All these things created the team we saw by the time Mello leaves. Mello never had the control over the team that uh, he wanted. Mello never, which is, which is kind of, which is kind of weird considering it. And you could, you could make the argument that Mello's unhappiness with Jeff Bezdelic was a large reason that Jeff Bezdelic was fired midway through the, uh, 2004-2005 season, which resulted in George Carl coming in January of 2005. Um, you could you could say that, and Mello tried passive aggressively through the press, getting trying to get more help. He was always talking about more help. Um, the crux of the issue, and I've covered this before, was the Nuggets' inability to improve after. The way Mello saw it after the 2009 Western Conference Finals run and the subsequent trade deadline where the Nuggets didn't do anything, didn't really didn't make any moves um, to combat the what he saw as the center advantage with uh, the the Los Angeles Lakers. So obviously these things were like weighing on his mind and it resulted in in that in George Carl's cancer, all this stuff the stew coming together. But the last year of Carmelo Anthony was the one where the feelings 
got hurt. Um, Andy Feinstein and I went to a uh, what is uh, called uh, it, it, it was a social. It what it, it, it it's not what it's called now because I think they've replaced it with a Malai Dreams Gala. But there was a fan event that the Nuggets would do every winter for the for the uh, the fans, um, and I went with Andy, who is uh, as you, all of you know is a season ticket has been a season ticket holder for ages and Andy Feinstein and my my memory of that was how awkward everything was because the entire Nuggets team was there and this was uh, January of 2011 it was weird it, it was tense there was an uncomfortable atmosphere um, hanging over the whole team Mellow and Chauncey and a couple other players hung around in a darkened corner and didn't communicate with many fans. Uh, Chauncey was miserable. Um, Kenyon Martin was, was, to his credit, and I'll always say this about Kenyon, Kenyon was a lot more savvy than people ever gave him credit for, and he was kind of, he was making it a point to interact with the fans. But it was a tense situation, and no one really blamed them for this. And this was hovering over this Nuggets team that entire year. And this is, by this time, Masai takes over. And this is something that people need to understand. And I think New Jersey, at the time, New Jersey Nets fans and current Brooklyn Nets fans need to understand this. Mello was never going to Brooklyn, never going to New Jersey. It was never happening. Any reports that Mello Mello would be perfectly fine with going there are inaccurate. Mello's determination to go to the New York Knicks was thorough, complete, and not contradicted by any substantial reporting or people that I have spoken to because, folks... I was around when this was happening uh, that I have been able to see. Mello had no interest in Brooklyn. In fact, the the famous incident where someone told him he'd been traded to uh, to uh, the um, the Brooklyn Nets sometime. I think it was like December of that year. I'm trying to remember, but it was it was like I forget which TV station it was, but it he went white as a sheet. And um, it wasn't true, you know. Mello was never, never going to New Jersey. Never. It was all about New York. And the Nuggets extracted what they could from it. Because Mello was determined to go there. And it was a, it was a horribly tense and very uncomfortable situation for everyone in the in the organization. It had to be that way to get to maximize the value, and obviously it benefited the Nuggets. Of, you know, with uh, having eventually the fifty-seven win team, and which in turn produced Jamal Murray uh, in two thousand fifteen. But I'm telling you, folks, that year and how tense and uncomfortable it was affected the perceptions and affected the way everyone involved in the situation looks at it. I don't think Mello has ever, Mello doesn't understand 
the way he looks at the, the, the why people don't look at things the way he looks at things. I've said this over and over on this podcast. Mello thinks that people need to understand that he was making a business decision and appreciate the time he was there. Fans, on the other hand, are like, dude, you, you forced your way out and you went to New York and New York wasn't even a good team. When you, when you went there, they were an okay, they were a mediocre team. You weren't forcing your way to a championship team. You were forcing your way to New York, and the way it comes across is that you just didn't want to be in Denver, which is true. You didn't want to be here. And and um, forget Lala. Mello wanted to be back where he was comfortable, which was New York. So that all that is is probably true from both perspectives, Okay. And from the Nuggets perspective, I, I will go out and tell you again, the, the, the way things shook down and the way things looked, I don't think the Nuggets ever fully got over the way Carmelo forced his way out. I, I, just from my perspective, not based on talking to anyone else, I don't think the organization ever looked at Melo the same way. And I think that it's going to take years for this thing to resolve itself in a way that uh, is where everyone can sit down and have a laugh. Um, things got, and, and, and now with Mello, because of the way he feels slighted and the way fans are booing, booed him when he got to Denver uh, and he played for other teams, um, th- there is just like a, a, a bridge that, that can never be crossed due to just the hard feelings from that last year he was in Denver. Another point would be Mello, I think, and this is just my own view, is that that Mello needs to be celebrated for what he did in resurrecting the Denver Nuggets with his celebrity, with his hype, and with his skill. There is a very real possibility, folks, that the Denver Nuggets would have had Nicholas Skidishvili and Darko Milicic on this team. Very real. Let me reiterate this. The Nuggets could have had two historical all-time busts on the team at the same time drafted in consecutive years. For all the bullshit that everyone went through in 2011 when Mello was traded, it could not compare to the franchise-altering mistake that would have been. And make no mistake, folks, Kiki Vandaway was going to draft Darko. Regardless of what you feel about Carmelo Anthony, his mere presence on this Nuggets roster altered this franchise in a positive way. His departure, I don't think, if people didn't have this attachment to Mello, his subsequent departure in 2011 would not have hurt as much as it did. Okay? Some of it is Denver's historical issues with uh, being feeling like their second and third banana to the rest of the NBA. I get that. Okay, I felt it too. The but the other side and has always been 
that Mello did something by his mere presence in looking, changing the positive perception of Denver by himself. Yes, the, the Nuggets improved the roster around him, but without Mello here, that just doesn't happen. Imagine Andre Miller and uh, Ken, uh, Marcus Camby and Nene on a team that has Nicholas Skidishvili and Darko Milicic. That team's not winning anything. What kind of attention would the Nuggets have got? Nothing but not good, not good intention, attention, folks. This was a situation where Mello, not, not intentionally, obviously, but by his mere presence, lifted the Nuggets out of the worst era of their history, 95 to 2003. And him being able to do that benefited the Nuggets in ways they're still seeing today. It benefited Stan and Josh Kroenke. It benefited the city of Denver. It benefited, hell, the entire KSE organization, Mello being there. Mello wasn't the player that LeBron was. Mello wasn't the player that was ever going to lift a team to a championship. Ask New York Knicks fans. Ask uh, Portland Trailblazers fans. Ask Thunder fans. Ask Lakers fans. Okay. The, it, 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 it's it, Mello is a good star player. He was never going to be a superstar, but he was a superstar in attention. He was a superstar in hype. And people are telling on themselves if they don't acknowledge the fact that that fundamentally changed the way people perceived the city of Denver in terms of basketball. And... At the same time, the way Mello left, the way people were attached to Mello, the way he forced his way out of the city to go to a not good New York Knicks team, and the, how tense everything was, and the Chris Paul toast, I, I can't, you cannot imagine, I mean, how, imagine if you were an owner of a team and you were sitting there listening to a star on another team toast Carmelo Anthony about going to another team. I mean, none of that, none of that is happy. <laughs> there are, there are way, and this is just me projecting. I'm not, I'm not reporting that, but that had a lot to do with, with just how tense that year became. That Nello taking his hat off to himself. I mean, there are things that just happened that, like, that, that people just need to understand. It, it was more complicated. But Mello's retired now. Mello no longer is an NBA player. Carmelo Anthony is now part of the history of the NBA. I think we can adequately celebrate the the legacy of Carmelo Anthony without trying to project it into further meaning other than what it is. Eventually, down the road, I am convinced there's going to be a moment between the Nuggets and Carmelo that will be nice nostalgic and we can all be able to get teary-eyed about the mellow's time in denver it's going to be a while i don't i don't see i don't see this happening mellow has made has basically made it clear he sees himself as a new york knicks player and the nuggets have made it clear by giving nikola Jokic his number that they know have moved on and until one side comes to the other and says let's let's sit down and make peace nothing's gonna happen i look back on the time with Melo and say like thank you dude for reviving my favorite team the nuggets were terrible 
terrible for so many years. Mello coming along and, and helping out and reviving my favorite team is something I will always thank him for. And yes, he paid a huge part in that. I'm going to be thankful for that. And I think that is an indelible part of Carmelo Anthony's legacy that can't be ignored. All right. Thank you, folks, for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'll be back uh, tomorrow after Game 4 for another episode. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.